Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter. Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Well, Heidi, interesting show today because I've been watching some YouTubes that are very, very powerful that our guest has made. He's a documentary filmmaker. And Heidi, why don't you introduce him and let's get started with the show. Okay, I'd love to. We're talking today with Bruce Postman. Bruce has directed over 40 documentaries, many award-winning, about coping with life-threatening illness. He has worked with Can't Survive, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, City of Hope, and others. He is now working on the documentary, The Longest Road, a feature-length documentary about bereavement. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Well, thank you. What a nice introduction. It's uh, great to have you on the show today, and uh, before we get started talking about your documentary work, I want to tell you that I'm sorry to hear about the death of your dad a uh, very short time ago, and, and it, it's with this field, with grief and loss. I mean, it happens everywhere around us at all times, and sometimes I, I don't think it, it gets acknowledged with what's going on with us right now as human beings, and you certainly had an experience recently with your dad. Well, yes, yes, let's very sad to see him go. We were uh, very close with my father. As these things go, it was, let's say, the natural course of events. He, he was elderly. He was failing. When he went to hospice, all the kids came back to New York to, to be with him and my mother. And we, we sat with him and were there when he drew his last breath. And the whole experience was actually very bonding for me and my brothers and sisters and my mother and the whole family. And it brought us close together. It was hard to see him go, but he lived a good long life and did everything that he wanted to do. My film, The Longest Road, is about a much different situation, a situation of child loss, which is not natural, Mm -hmm. which turns a world upside down and is much, much, much harder to put the pieces together, I think. Now, how did you get involved in working in this difficult area? It's a very difficult area to be involved in, I think. I mean, you know, even I, who have lost a child and am a therapist, still, I was very touched by the people talking about their losses on the film you've made. How did you get involved in it? Well, I had been making films for a while about cancer survivorship, and I had kind of gotten a little bit of a reputation for being able to deal with difficult subjects. And a company that I'd worked with before, they're called Danya International. They got a grant from the Eunice Shriver Foundation to do a film, books, pamphlets, groups, this huge project that included video mm. about the entire arc of children with life-threatening diseases from diagnosis to treatment to hospice and comfort care to death and to bereavement. And it was a long-term project. We made nine films nine short films, about five to 15 minutes long each. And it it took a good long while, but we finished it, and it was well done, and everybody was happy. After we finished it, everybody was happy except me. (laughs) Uh. What had happened was, when we got to the bereavement part of it, I felt I wasn't able to tell the family's entire story because the films were too short. There were five-minute films, there were seven-minute films, there were ten-minute films three families in each film, and there just wasn't time to be, I mean, it's almost a question of respect. I wasn't able to tell the full story, and it really started gnawing at me. Because these people, if if you saw the clips from The Longest Road, the the people are incredibly articulate and open and, and, and wonderful about what they share. But I knew that the best footage wasn't being seen by people. 
mm-hmm. after a while, it bothered me. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the folks at Danya, and they're very good people, and I explained my position, and I said, you know, I think there's another film here. I think there's a feature documentary. We started out with eight families. I wanted to take three of the families and just really concentrate on those three families. They agreed that would be a good film. The the grant was gone. They couldn't help support it financially. We worked out an agreement where I could repurpose the film we used and use the film that we hadn't shown yet to make a longer documentary. Now, I'm curious. What is the best footage? Is there a hope aspect to that? Is that what we were missing? I hope in the Danya parts, of course, the trailer is so short, the trailer is like three minutes, it's hard to get a full sense of it. Certainly, hope is the key. I mean, hope is why you get involved with anything like this, Mm -hmm. to give people hope and to help them work through it. I think what we couldn't do in the short films was show the depths that people plummeted and the ways that they came back. Oh, I like that, and the ways they came back. I do too, and I think that's so important, Bruce, because it shows people that are there right now, you know, dealing with these kind of things, that yes, you're going to plummet, you're going to have waves, but you're going, they're not going to last forever. You are going to move in and out of those. And it normalizes for other people that are grieving what, you know, what they're experiencing right now. Mm, This sort of grief is a lifelong journey, but it changes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stay the right. same. And I've learned a lot from working with these folks and other folks in, in similar situations. Needless to say, it's life-changing. Uh, well, Bruce, it's- what I love that you did also is that you not only looked at what the parents were going through, but you also looked at the sibling grief. And as a brief sibling and someone that has spent 20 years studying sibling loss and wrote my dissertation on it, I can tell you, sibling loss is overlooked, unacknowledged, and minimized. And you did not do that in this film. You gave a lot of attention to the sibling experience as well, and I thank you for that. Well, thank you for those kind words. From the beginning, I started making these kinds of films, films about kids with cancer, in 1997. And the first film I ever made was a film called Kids Tell Kids What It's Like When Their Brother or Sister Has Cancer. Mm. And what intrigued me about this first film was that uh, no one was listening to these kids. They had a lot Mm -hmm. to say. And this was, of course, a film about survivorship. When we get to the subject of loss, of profound loss, it's very earth-shattering for the siblings. And in the middle of the crisis, because it's of course, it's a shipwreck. It's a train wreck. It's it's hard to make all the best decisions in the middle of it. Sometimes the siblings just are not heard. Mm-hmm. It happens with kids anyway, but in, in, in the midst of a crisis, it's maybe a little more apt to happen. And it was mm-hmm. very important to me to give the siblings a voice and a strong voice and show all sides of it because there's conflict as well as harmony in their part of it. And it's just uh, so important that they're heard and don't become invisible in all this. Absolutely. And I also like what you found out about what Lisa DeLong, the mother of Justin, discovered in her journey. And I thought it was really powerful. And what she discovered was that no matter how old your child is when they die, there are lots of similarities between bereaved parents. Because the reality is parents, do not expect to have to bury their children. They assume that they will die before them, and it is terrific, regardless of the age of your child, to have to bury them. This is very, very true. Lisa discovered this by joining the Compassionate Friends group. That was her first group, and her son was 15 when he passed. Her experience was unique, and and in its own way, I'm sure it was, but there she sees that there are people who were in there 
60s and 70s and even 80s, and they've lost children who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And it was strikingly similar, the mm-hmm. sense of loss and unnatural course of events. It's just not the way nature is meant to unfold. I was thinking about you making this documentary with the siblings. It's so hard for parents to be able to be able to question or to be supportive of the kids. You're in such a turmoil. You know, it's very hard to ask them straight questions. Well, what do you think about this or that? Because they're looking at you and you've got tears in your eyes and all that. So I think it's interesting having a third party involved because the kids then can come out strong and say what they think, whereas I think it's harder on family members. I think that's why groups are really useful because you're suddenly speaking to people once removed. And I could remember the first time I ever saw an adult cry was when my grandfather died when I was 10. And that was scary to, to see grown-ups cry. And it made me kind of pull back. Now, this wasn't a sibling, and this wasn't a parent, and this wasn't as immediate as, uh, the, like I say, this losing a grandparent, and uh, that's, the, that's the natural course of events. When we're put in a situation where the world is turned upside down and the grief is so much greater and so much harder to explain rationally, I think dealing with third parties, with groups, becomes very, very useful. I think that I'm very grateful to the people, the siblings, the children who speak in the film, but also it was good for them. It's it's, right. it's a kind of a therapy in its own way just to tell your story. Do you get into how they cope? Yes. Yes, the siblings or all people. Whoever. Parents as well. Yeah, it was very interesting. I, I think one of the big things I learned is it is not one size fits all. There are some truisms that hold for most of the cases. I think good communication is good for what ails you. And, you know, fellowship of one kind or another is good. But one person, Lisa DeLong, you mentioned, she needed to be in groups. She needed to be with people who had gone through a similar loss. She needed to hear their stories, and she needed to tell her story to them. Her husband, who's a very good guy, Dave, needed to drown himself in work and not talk to people. Someone else, Belita Lovely, in the film is her name, turned to therapy and really got into therapy and group therapy and intensive therapy to work through her her intense grief. The kids, you know, the the siblings, what I found with them is, is they like to reminisce quite a bit, reminisce about the old days. That was sort of a a pattern with the kids. They like to think about it and look at old pictures. Another family, the Spearings, used faith prominently. Mm -hmm. They had a a strong church family. People find different ways. I, I think if there's Maybe one. Mind you, I'm not an expert. I'm a student of this. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I think we're all learning. <laughs> but I think that when people are needed, that seems to be the root back that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. People need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Well, and Bruce, I think that's why service is so important. Because when your grief starts to kind of turn the corner, you notice that you're being more of service. Initially, it's hard. But once you start kind of giving back or being an example for others that, hey, I've been there and made it, you can too, it seems to kind of help in the healing process. And the other thing is that you empowered them also. I believe brief people need to be empowered, particularly early on. And it creates a community because when this happens, people feel alone. And they're not alone. They're in this mm-hmm. invisible community. Lisa DeLong talks about it being like an underground community that the well world doesn't want to acknowledge because it's too scary. But when you see mm-hmm. each other in one form or another, it clicks. And you know you're in that group. And you have something to offer 
people coming up the road and people down the road have something to offer you. It's, it's a community. Yeah, and I'm glad that Lisa found the Compassionate Friends. My mom served on the board, and I'm on the board now, and we are very involved, and we just want to get the message out there to anyone listening that the Compassionate Friends is out there for people that want to join a group and feel like that is their road back to, to you know, finding hope again. Oh, it's a fantastic organization. I'm in correspondence with scores of people from Compassionate Friends. Now, how can people get a hold of your film, Bruce, and when it going to come out? People can find you on YouTube. Well, the website is www.thelongestrooddocumentary.com. All one word, thelongestrooddocumentary.com. And the Facebook page, if they were to Google The Longest Road Documentary Facebook, it would take them to the Facebook page. Or they could email me, my personal email, I'm happy to give it out, is thepostman at roadrunner.com. I answer all my emails, and I'm hoping the film will come out in late 2015. I'm making this film. It's out of pocket, unfortunately. There was no grant money, so any money I earn working, I put back into the film and progress a little further. I may do a crowdsourcing campaign next month. That, I think, is appealing from the sense of kind of mass ownership of the film, that, that everyone who has a stake in the ideas in the film, makes a small contribution, not a big contribution, but a small one, and therefore kind of is part of it and is a co-creator. I find that very appealing for a humanitarian project like this. I want to share it in all sense. Well, Bruce, thank you for being on our show today and sharing your ideas and thoughts and for the work that you've done and for the humanitarian aspects of what you've been doing. And thank you so much. And again, I'm very sorry about the death of your dad. Well, thank you for those kind words. And thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Bruce. And thank you for educating the world about what families go through after the loss of a sibling or a child. And we want to thank you all for listening to our show today. And we hope that you will find some community and support on your journey. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless.